Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Psalm chapter 95. Thank you all for letting me join you this morning. It's an honor to be here and to, to be able to, to worship with you, sing praises to God, and to be able to, to share with you a message from God's holy word. My grandfather told me a story once about when he, he used to sell books in college. Now this was before the iPad and the, the Kindle and Amazon came out. You couldn't just click and order a book and have it shipped to you. He was a door-to-door -door book salesman. He would go knock on doors and, and, and sell these books, carry around these big cases with him. And in order to, uh, to stay energized while he was out selling books, him and his, his co-workers, they came up with a song to, to sing, to, to keep the fire going when, when they were having a rough day. And the words of the song were, it's a grand thing to be a bookman. It's a grand thing I know. It's a grand thing to be a bookman everywhere I go. Goodbye to no and never, goodbye doubt and fear. It's a grand thing to be a bookman and to be of good cheer. Well, following college, my grandfather went, went to, to school. He went on to be a, be a gospel preacher, and he changed the words to this song and taught, taught these words to me. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. It's a grand thing I know. It's a grand thing to be a Christian everywhere I go. Goodbye to know and never, goodbye doubt and fear. It's a grand thing to be a Christian and to be of good cheer. Isn't it a grand thing to be a Christian? The beginning of Psalm 95 that we just, just read encourages us to sing praises to the Lord and shout aloud to him who brings us salvation because he is a great God, great king above all gods. He created and has control over everything in this universe. And we have the joy of calling ourselves his people. This morning, I want us to focus on why it's such a grand thing to be a follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, it's a grand thing to be a Christian because God loves us and he cares for us. The God, the, the great God, great king above all gods, loves us and cares for us. For us. I want to take us all the way back to the beginning of time, back to Genesis chapter 1, when God created the world. Not only did he create the world and create the trees and, and the wildlife and the, the plants and, and the animals, but in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God created us in his image. And he put us in dominion over this earth. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we see, we see how God molded man out of the clay of the earth. And he breathed to him the breath of life. Scripture reads that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. God also cared for the man. Not only did he take the time to, to form the man out of the dust and to breathe into him life, but he took care of the man. In verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. God loves mankind, and he takes care of his people. I think about Noah. Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. The Lord looked upon the world, and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah and his family, they were alone in the world. They were the only faithful followers of God. The world was completely corrupt with sin, yet Noah and his family were followers of the Lord. God destroyed the world, but he saved Noah and his family. And just as God cared for Noah, God cares for all of his followers. When we're all alone and we need strength, God is there for us. Consider Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is there, and he cares for us. It brings to mind the thought of Father Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. The Lord comes to Abram, who he would later change his name to Abraham. The Lord comes to Abram and he says, Go from your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will dishonor those who curse you. And in you all the family of the earth shall be blessed. God loved 
and he cared for Abraham. He also loved and cared for all the families of the earth. As we can see in this passage, through you I will bless all the nations of the earth. God loves us. He cares for us. He loved and cared for Adam. He loved and cared for Noah. He loved and cared for Abraham. And God loved and cared for Moses and the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, the Lord said, I have surely seen your affliction. The Israelites were captive. They were, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. And God calls out to them and says, I have seen your affliction. I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God saw that the Israelites were being mistreated. They were being, they were being held captive as slaves in Egypt. And they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard their cry because he loved and cared for his people. Later on, the prophet Isaiah talks about how God loved and cared for the Israelites. In Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10, the prophet writes, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called you from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Later on in chapter 43 of Isaiah, the Lord says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God loved and cared for his people. And God loves and cares. For us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He sent Jesus to save the world from sin and corruption. I'm sure we're familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 5, 8, God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a grand thing to be a Christian because God loves and he cares for us. And it's a grand thing to be a Christian because Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ laid his glory aside to come to this earth as an example and as a sacrifice for God's people. He gave up his glorious home in heaven to be born the humblest of births, likely on the road somewhere between 
uh, between their homeland and Bethlehem as Joseph and Mary were traveling. He was laid in the humblest of places. He was laid in a manger where animals were kept. He was raised the humble life of a carpenter to be a humble servant to mankind and a humble sacrifice to the world. Jesus Christ laid his glory aside so that he could show us perfect love by being the ultimate sacrifice for the world. It's a grand thing to be a Christian because Jesus Christ died for our sins. And through his perfect sacrifice, Jesus has become our high priest. It's a grand thing to be a Christian because Jesus Christ is our high priest. Back in the Old Testament, we, we talked about Abraham, Father Abraham, and how, how God cared for Abraham and promised him a great nation. Well, Abraham's great-grandson, Levi, was called by God to be the father of the priestly tribe. The Levites were the servants of the tabernacle, and later they were the servants of the temple. And the family of Aaron were the priests. Now, the priests were responsible for making intercession for God's people by offering sacrifices that the law of God required. Among all the priests, one of them was selected as the Most High Priest. Once a year, the High Priest would enter the Most Holy Place, this innermost part of the house of God, and make a yearly sacrifice to the Lord on the Day of Atonement. This was done by placing the blood of the sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant. By this yearly sacrifice, along with the daily sacrifices made by the other, by the other priests, the sins of the people were temporarily covered until the Messiah was to come and save the world. That Messiah that is Jesus Christ. Now this Holy of Holies, this, this place inside the temple was considered by the Israelites to be the throne room of God. A sacred place where, where God dwelt. This Holy of Holies was sealed by a 60 foot curtain that was 30 feet long and one inch thick. It was so big that it would prevent somebody from accidentally falling into this, this holy place. Because if, if anybody except the high priest went in there, they would, they would be struck dead. Only the high priest had access to God's throne room. Only the high priest had access to God. That is until Jesus died on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 46, says it was now about the sixth hour. This is talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, when the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Like the priests, Jesus offered a sacrifice to God. 
when he offered himself on the cross for the sins of the world. When Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. This curtain that was 30, 60 feet wide, 30 feet long, and an inch thick was torn in half. You know what that means? The Holy of Holies was opened up. No longer was only the high priest allowed to have access to God's throne room. Jesus became our high priest so that we can have direct access to God. Because Christ, living a perfect life, his human sacrifice gained eternal redemption for all who come to know God through him. He became our high priest, our intercessor, giving us direct access to God. When Jesus died, we gained access to God of his spirit. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 tells us, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This verse here is really special. When you think about the high priest of, of the Old Testament, the high priest was a very special individual. They were, they were esteemed. They were well taken care of. They had a special purpose. They were seen by the Israelites as greater than other people because they had a special ability to go into the Holy of Holies. Well, Jesus Christ, such a humble servant, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, does anything good come from Nazareth is what, what someone said in Scripture. Nazareth was such a small town, such a, such a small place. Jesus was not going to be seen as this, this grand individual. He wasn't raised to be a high priest. He was a humble individual. The son of a carpenter. Not the son of a priest. The son of a carpenter. A laborman. He hung out with all kinds of people. He hung out with fishermen. A very dirty job at that time. And Jesus, although not seen as this great individual, he was the one that saved the world. He showed humility, living a humble life, taking on the sins of the world, became our intercessor so that we can go before the throne of God. It's a grand thing to be a Christian because Jesus is our high priest. Lastly, it's a grand thing to be a Christian because Jesus is our friend. Look in your Bibles at John chapter 15, verse 12 through 15. 
John chapter 15, 12 through 15 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. When I think of a friend, I think of someone that, that would stand up for you. Somebody that has your back. Somebody that would take care of you if you need to be taken care of, and that you would take care of in return. A friend is somebody you have a close relationship with and you care for one another. Jesus Christ is a true friend. He stood up for us. Jesus stood up for us. He took, our, took on the punishment for our mistakes so that we can be forgiven of those wrongs. There's no way for us to be able to, to go before God and, and say, oh, I, I'm sorry, I messed up. I, I like the illustration of God's holiness. God is holy, and he's allergic to, to unholiness. Because of God's holiness, when, when we sin, we become an allergen to God. I don't know if any of you here have allergies. And when you come and cut, let's say you're allergic to cats. You, come, you come, come into a room where there's a cat and you start to, to sneeze and you're like, I need to get away from here. Well, God's holiness, he's allergic to sin. And when we are filled with sin, we cannot come before God. But Christ, Christ died so that our sins can be taken away from us. We no longer carry those sins and carry those burdens so that we can be pure and be able to approach God as holy, blameless, no blemishes, as pure. Jesus is our friend. He stood up for us. He died for us. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. Christ died for us. God loves and cares for us. Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus is our friend. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. Are you a Christian? If not, why not? Jesus came and he died for you. He made it possible for you to be forgiven of all the mistakes you've made in your life. He provided us access to himself, to God, and to his Holy Spirit. If only we invite them into our lives through the act of baptism. I encourage you to have your sins washed away today.
I want us all to be able to leave here today with the joy of saying, it's a grand thing to be a Christian. So again, I ask, if you're not a Christian, why not? Maybe you are a Christian, and you need some prayers, you need some encouragement, you've been struggling lately. Well, we offer this time an invitation song. As we all, as we all stand and sing, if, if you need prayers, come forward and make those requests known. And if you need to become a Christian, I would love to see you become a Christian today and, and leave these doors being able to say, it's a grand thing to be a Christian. If you have any needs, please come forward as we stand and sing together.